The flesh needs to be told what to do. So true preaching is saying, this is what the Word of God says. We're going to do it. And and pastors that are have wonderful hearts and want people to do it from the right place can get on that slippery slope. And we don't push people towards Jesus. There is only one way! So before we start today, we want to give a quick plug. So Jesus Year is launching very soon. Yep. January 2024. If you haven't heard about it, go back and listen to previous podcasts. Um, but we're going to be a starting 12 months here in Fort Worth where people come, get equipped to preach the gospel every day, sent out on the second half for six months to another church to help create culture. So if you haven't heard about it, Jesus Year is starting. Get some information. Yeah. And uh, we'd love to see you here. 33rdcompany.org. 33rdcompany.org. Yeah. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking a, a little bit about equipping the church. And 33rd Company does a lot more than just evangelism, obviously. Um, a big role of 33rd Company is to attempt to equip the church in the work of evangelism itself, right? Mm-hmm. I would even say, to, for clarification, making disciples. And making disciples. Which is making disciples of new believers and making disciples of believers that are in your church. I'm glad you say that because even when we were in... I'm so glad you said that. It's, it's true. <laughs> when we were in, um, in Florida... And we were doing belong in Florida. Yeah. There was a lot, there were people that were coming up and they were like, Hey, is belong just for new believers or can I come? And they were saying, I've never been discipled before. Right. And it was, it was growing a hunger right. within the church. So it's so good that you said that because when the church actually becomes well discipled instead of just attending, but actually grown and raised up makes a huge, makes a big huge shift difference. Well, we have a discipleship vacancy in the church today. And so when we, try to equip people to disciple others. 95% of them have never been discipled themselves. So the, yeah. the reason why most people don't know how to disciple people is because they haven't been discipled. Be- their, their level of discipleship is to show up to church. Because of exactly what he just said, we've turned discipleship into Sunday morning church. Right. Mm. And that's can be void of relationship. I know we're getting a little bit ahead. No, it's okay. But, but, what we're trying to do is to get the church not to stop what they're doing. They do so many good things, but to, do but the to just have a subtle shift, right? To slow down enough to love people and to make people have it not just be a vision thing on the wall that we love people. You know, every church has a few right. things they say, but meaning we actually slow down and spend time with people, Yeah, which is the Jesus way. That's yeah. awesome. And I would say, we used to say at our church back in Washington, community doesn't happen in rows. 
So you look down your row, you know, community doesn't happen in rows. It happens in circles. It happens around a dining table. It happens in a coffee shop. That's where community really happens. Same way discipleship doesn't happen in a row. It doesn't happen when you're shoulder to shoulder listening to a pastor preach to you. Discipleship happens face to face outside of a church setting when you can go into life together, when you can challenge each other, when you can dig into the word together. That's what discipleship truly looks like. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, so what are some of the opportunities or, or, or ways that you've already been able to help equip churches? Some of the yeah. things that are going well right now. Yeah. There's, you know, a lot of, we're doing a thing right now called make disciple events. It's new in the last six months. We've been doing it for a couple of years. We're just refining it. Mm-hmm. So churches are seeing the fruit and what's happening here in Fort Worth or when we were in Florida or when we were in Washington. And they're saying, we want that fruit, right? So then they're, they're asking us to come and we'll come and we'll do a Saturday and then preach on Sunday, um, equipping time to teach them the ingredients it takes to make disciples, right? Because there's a certain ingredients that's needed in order to produce the fruit that we desire. So is it, so what we're helping churches see is, is you're desiring that it's not just going to happen by just having us come in for a weekend. You're going to have to adopt and, and, and these ideas and these ingredients to make this happen. So I was in Brazil, kind of a funny story um, in, in Londrina, Brazil with, with Paulo and, and his wonderful church there and um, it was the first session. I said, is there anybody in here that bakes? And one guy in the back goes, me. I'm like, what do you bake? And he goes, coconut cream cake. And the whole place just goes, oh, like seriously, <laughs> every person. So I said, who in here has had it before? And they're all like, yeah. And then I made a statement. Who's ever helped him make it? Silence. I said, so you all like the fruit of the cake, but none of you like to actually do the work of making the cake. We're here to talk about making disciples. You're not just going to enjoy the, right. you got to. So we're helping churches right now do this. There's different challenges and we're learning mm-hmm. as well. But right now, one of the primary things we're doing is make disciple events and helping shift the culture of a church to really step out and uh, engage their culture, the community around them. Have there been some, I know you've done a few at this point and you've also spent some time with some of these churches, but um, especially as you're, you're going for a shorter period of time, but pouring in the same ingredients you did over a long period of time. What are some examples of, of um, that going well, like instances when it's gone really well, well well-received church was ready yeah, I like? think I think Brazil is an example of that. Mm-hmm. I think Real Church is an example of that as well. Um, went out there at the beginning of this year, and uh, the the church was ready, you know, and and it was like in one day because the soil was prepared and they were they didn't have Plan B or Plan C. Right. It was no Plan A. Jesus said, make disciples. Mm-hmm. We're going to count the cost. And because that was their attitude, when when we, we came, um, I think there was 50 
plus people that signed up for the Make Disciple event. Yeah. Um, Pastor David was able to build a team of 20 people to do a weekly new believers group. They're calling it Belong. They've adopted the name that we use. And he sends me weekly updates. 18 people just went out. Three salvations or five salvations, four people being discipled. They had a breakout of like eight salvations one week. And because they didn't have another plan and they said, we're going to do this no matter what the cost. This is what Jesus told us to do. Month after month after month, they're consistently growing and and they're getting breakthrough. So that was a great example. Also, Brazil, very similar they were like, we need this. We've got to have this. We have a massive city and we're not, we're not producing the fruit that we know we're called to do. And the fruit really that you're seeing with 33rd at, at Mercy Culture or in you know, other places we've been. So in, in those instances where they're ready and they don't have another option. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've kind of come to the end of other options and this is what we're going to do. That's where we see great fruit. Awesome. Come. So, um, so what kind of challenges have you seen? Like, have you had um, instances where there's been a desire for you to come either by the leader or by some people in the congregation? Are you meeting any obstacles along the way or been to places where you're like, man, I, that didn't go as we were expecting. I'll just, I'll just share a story from a couple of years back. We had a pastor in a neighboring community. We were, we were pastoring in Washington and um, met with him probably 20, 30 minutes from where our church was. And he was asking the question, how do we get what you have? How do we not only get the presence of God in our church, but how do we create a passion for people to go outside of the four walls of the church? And I just felt like as he's asking, I felt like the Lord was like, tell him he's going to become very unpopular if he wants to do this. And, um, he's going to be misunderstood and he's going to lose people. So I I told him, I said, well, I just felt like the Lord wanted you to know that if you want to recreate what we have, you have to be willing to lose some of your people in your church, become unpopular in your community, and it's going to be very uncomfortable for you. And he literally says the words to me, well, I don't think I want to do that. So church, church is not meant for us. It's not meant for people. It's meant to honor the Lord. And so when you try to create a church environment, that's all about making people feel comfortable so you can grow in numbers. Well, no wonder you're not going to want to do evangelism and make disciples because it's very uncomfortable to go do evangelism and do outreach and make disciples. You have to change a lot of your life. You're going to have to die to self. You're going to have to break through fear. You're going to have to definitely run through pride and being uncomfortable. So, one of the biggest obstacles in my opinion is that we have such an apathetic passive approach to church or to a believer where it's like, we just have this narrow focus. I just got to make sure my life is good. I want to make sure my church is good and healthy. And those are all wonderful things. We all want a wonderful life. We all want our churches to be happy and healthy Mm -hmm. and love Jesus. And, um, but I would say, there has to be this foundation of realizing, look, I'm going to die to self. I'm going to pick up my cross. Like this is a, this is a, a daily death, a daily dying. It's like, we tell our Jesus 
year people or we tell our 33rd people like we die together. This is what we do. And when you want to follow the Lord, it's a daily death and realizing I'm not here to promote my agenda. I'm here to lay my fears on the altar, my pride on the altar. And when you get to that space, it's not just that evangelism grows. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit begins to develop. The presence of God shows up because he's like, now you're not here for yourselves. You're here for me. So I want to say the foundation is getting a value for evangelism. The foundation is death to self and getting a value to everything I would do. I want to please the Lord. When you have that focus, it's really easy to adopt evangelism. When your life is there to please the Lord, it's really easy to adopt discipleship. It's really easy for your family to live in a discipleship model because your your life is there to please the Lord. So you're saying there's, there's some who they literally count the cost and go, nope, too high for me. Sure. I would say, yeah. Or as if it's optional. And varying degrees of that, right? Yeah. Every path, every leader, every believer is counting some cost. Generally, it's their reputation on social media, where somebody in Iraq is counting their life as the cost. So we've so numbed our, our right. emotions and our feelings of what we're willing to tolerate. So you, you have that perspective, yeah, which is a large majority. Um, another element that I've seen in churches um, was just with a wonderful, again, this is not a salvation conversation right. mm-hmm. or any of those things. We, we understand that we, ha- we are very driven people. Okay. So we're, we're pretty driven. We're going to do what Jesus says to do. Um, I was out at a church this past year, wonderful pastor, in his own life, he has the fruit of sharing his faith. He has the fruit of discipleship and living beyond himself, like truly a remarkable pastor. Mm-hmm. And when I was there at his church, and I see this in a lot of places, I've seen this multiple times, when it comes time for offering, right? The offering or tithes and offering. You know, if 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 you feel like you'd like to give you can, but no pressure, you know, it all sounds good. Um, we don't want you to feel pressured. We want you to give from a, a place in your heart that you want to give. I'm like, yeah, that's not wrong. Okay. But there's Christians in that room, right. That need to give because they're robbing God. If they don't give him is their tithe. So there's, it's almost like this, passive leadership where I'm not really leading you. I'm, I'm keeping you like a bait. I'm, 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 I'm holding you. You're just going to remain a toddler. I'm not going to push you. So when, when we begin to talk about, okay, what does it look like to birth same, same church, same pastor to birth a new believers group? He wants this. He brought us in. He invested in getting us there it was a wonderful weekend. At the end, we're like, what, what does this look like practically? He goes, well, I just don't want anybody to feel like they have to do this. And, and, and I'm probably not going to start for a year until we can find the right people that have a heart for this. And I'm like, nothing that you're saying is wrong. And it sounds so loving. But my mentality is, Okay, we serve Jesus, we lay down our lives, we're going to do this. Like we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make disciples in our city. So it's this subtle thing of 
I don't, then what we're actually doing is, is we're creating a church that's people centered. It's also comfortable. the same response that we have when the government tells us we can't meet for church or you can't sing in church. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's, it's the slippery slope right. of being wrong. Maybe the heart behind it, but I might say as a very dangerous thing to start promoting. And I don't want to make you feel like you don't have, you don't have to read your Bible. You don't, you don't have to worship. So it's a slippery slope when you start going that direction. Because mm-hmm. your, your, your motives, you're like, I want you to do it because you want to do it. Right. But you don't listen, want to be manip- manipulating. The flesh needs to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. So true preaching is saying, this is what the word of God says. We're going to do it. Right. And, and pastors that are, have wonderful hearts and want people to do it from the right place can get on that slippery slope. And we don't push people towards Jesus. It's actually where we start tolerating sin. Right. Where righteousness and holiness becomes very muddy and there should never be muddiness and righteousness yeah. and holiness. That's where you start to be like, where can I tow this line? Right. I think you said it clearly though. It's, it's basic it on how, how comfortable are you? What are your feelings telling you? And as soon as you go down that road, your feelings will lie, yeah. lie, who, lie. Who wants to disciple somebody all the time? Who, who in their flesh wants to go out on evangelism? No one's going to raise their hand. <laughs> no, no one. They're like, I want to stay comfortable. I want to hide. I want to just be. That's why I say all the time, you know, okay, you're in this room and you're saying evangelism is not for me. You're right. It's not for you. It's for the thousands right. of people in your city that need to know Jesus. The fact that it's not for you is the reason why you don't like to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's these finding a way to motivate the church to do it in a way that's loving and honoring and caring, but saying this is the standard of the word of God and people are looking to be led. Yeah, people are. So let's lead them. Well, what did Jesus say? What was his instruction on this? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men and go make disciples. Go make disciples. I, I love the analogy of Peter in the boat. Peter gets out of the boat goes and walks on water to Jesus, sinks and falls. And most people, when they talk about that story, they talk about, well, you know, he didn't keep his eyes on Jesus and he sank. And if it was me, I mean, I would, I would focus on the Lord. I would have walked all the way. I would have done the Heisman, like (laughs) look at the wave. (laughs) But we never talk about the 11, like the 11 state in that boat. I mean, if I was, Bartholomew in there. And I saw, let's just call him Bart. For Bart. Sure. If I saw Barty, if I was Barty and I saw Peter sink, I would have been like, put me in coach. Like, can I try? But they, they didn't. And this is such the culture in the church today where we've got one person who's like, man, I'm going to step out and then they fail or something happens or that person didn't get saved or they do the outreach and only two people came to the Lord or mm. they do a belong and only, you know, it starts off great. And then if, and they look at me like, man, I'm not going to make that same mistake. I'm going to stay in the safety of my boat. And it's like, man, I would rather sink in the waters of impossibility than die in the safety of that boat. Like Jesus is there. He didn't call Peter to him. Right. Peter said, can I come? Jesus is like, like you have everything you need to come to me. Just get out and walk on the water. I, too many people are those 11. Yeah. I, I think too, 
you know, well, we've toiled all night Mm. and we caught nothing. Right. So I think there's a lot of pastors that are like, Mm. okay, we've seen a lot of these things Mm -hmm. and we've, and, and they've done, I'm, 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 I honor pastors. I love pastors and evangelism is a piece to the whole puzzle. It's It's not the whole thing. Right. But they're like, I've done the back to school bash. I've done the Christmas present giveaway, all things I've done. We've done hope in the park. We've done this. We've done that. We've toiled all night. Right. But Jesus says, put down your nets. Nevertheless, there's a supernatural catch that's coming. And I believe that God has given our ministry keys and tools that are unlocking the harvest right now. So I'd say to pastors and leaders, look at the fruit that we're seeing and put down your stinking nets and believe God to do it. And then challenging them. I love the ones that have worked David at real church. He's giving a day to go out and to make disciples. Paulo at Logos church. He's giving a day to do this. So we as leaders have to lead by example. Mm. And we are so weighed down in the church with meetings and they're not all bad. I'm not, I understand we got to have meetings and administrative stuff and things like that. But at, at, at the end of the day, we as leaders have to take responsibility and step out and do these things. I think that's another barrier. We're just too busy. Yeah. And I would say there's this spirit of competition in the church as well. You got these fivefold people operating different aspects of the fivefold ministry and the pastor looks at the evangelist and the evangelist looks at the pastor and they don't get each other. And so there's this awkward, there's this challenge, this, why didn't you recognize me? Well, I don't understand you. And then you got the intercessor over there. Like I should be one of the fivefold and I'm not, and they're angry at everybody. (laughs) And so it's each side recognizing and walking in humility to say, look, I want to honor you. It's the pastor looking at the evangelist and say, how do I steward you? How do I embrace you and love you? Is the evangelist coming in and both submitting their gifts to one? To, so it's it's collective effort to say, just as you said, evangelism is not the whole package. It's a piece of the whole puzzle and it should be incorporated. I'm glad you mentioned that. I was talking with Caden yesterday about this and I said, like I said, I'm your brother. I said, I have elder brothers. I'm I'm essentially your elder brother here, but I don't, I don't answer to any person for my actions, but I will give full account for my life when I get to the Lord. And whether it's my conversation with you or anything else I do, I don't have a competitor on earth. I only have whether or not I did what I was called to do. And that's what I'm responsible for. And yeah, it is, it is weird when we get the spirit of competition in the church, because essentially we're saying, I feel like I only I need to put my measuring stick up to yours instead of you putting the measuring stick stick up to the calling that you were called to. Well, and I would just say too, an unsubmitted evangelist is a dangerous evangelist. Right. So if an evangelist is saying, well, I'm just not valued, they're just not listening to me. An unsubmitted evangelist, you're destructive. You will destroy it. You're a bull in yeah, a China closet. Yeah. Just like an unsubmitted pastor is dangerous. Any any prophetic person who's mm-hmm. unsubmitted is very dangerous, which is half of the people on YouTube right now who are prophesying. So 
let's be very careful. Your church or your community that you're part of may not understand you today. They may not be completely receptive to you today, Mm -hmm. but you must honor, you must stay submitted unless the Lord removes you. But I think we have this, this issue with a lot of people who are trying to force and push and they don't stay submitted. They don't honor. And it continues to create a greater divide in the church. We're like, well, that's why we just don't do evangelism. Look at that. Just another one of those evangelists Mm -hmm. who's acting crazy, doesn't submit. It's all about him and it's dangerous and destructive. Yeah. Which is not your cult. It's not the culture of 33rd at all. No, No. I was, I was with pastor Les Waco pastor having lunch. And he said, you know, when I spoke at, uh, spoke on evangelism to the staff at, at Mercy Culture. And he said, what was so different about you is you love the church and it literally comes out of you. Yeah. He said, so when you were speaking, it was balanced. It was now, if you could look into my heart, it's like burning fire. Like, but I have meekness and self-control to be able to go, even though I want to shout right now, I understand, oh, the need for the apostle, the need for the prophet, the need for the pastor. Well, I'm out five days a week in 2024, bringing more people in. There's pastors in our church that are working on broken marriages. Right. We need that. Right. That's why you're going to hear us say, um, don't church, don't stop doing what you're doing. Just simply add, just shift a little bit and you're going to begin to see the fruit that you're looking for. Yeah. And I I would add to if evangelism for you or your church looks like getting people saved on a Sunday morning, you don't have an evangelism culture in your church Mm. because evangelism gets outside the walls. If if Sunday morning is the time, the primary time where people get saved, you do not have a healthy evangelistic culture in your church. So when we talk about action items, like if you're like, well, so what do we do? Well, I would bring 33rd company in to do a make disciples event. I would have you, you and your leadership team, assuming we're talking to leaders or they're listening, begin to look inward and say, God, what are you asking me to do to go out and to be an evangelist? Cause if it doesn't start from the top, it definitely will, it will get suffocated. Right. right? Mm-hmm. But if Sunday morning is your evangelism time, your culture of evangelism is broken. Well, and then your church is broken. Like our, our pastor, man, I love him so much. He's a the G. other day he was about ready to preach a message Shameless plug, by the way. Listen to Back to Bail by Pastor Landon. One of the best messages I've ever heard in my okay. life. So he says, listen, this meeting is not for unbelievers. This meeting is for the saints. The Great Commission is not go to church. Right. It's go and make disciples. So I'm going to equip you and do my job you go and do your job. <laughs> it was so good. He said it so much it better so than that. Good. And then, but then you have this idea that, that all of a sudden it's like you have this realization that so many churches are built to reach the lost on Sunday morning. And you wonder why we don't have very deep Christians because we're just giving them milk every, right. every Sunday. Yeah. And we're, and we're talking to the one person that might be new and trying to make sure it doesn't get too crazy. 
instead of speaking to the whole, and I bring in many new believers into our church, and I love watching them encounter mercy culture for the first time. Brought this guy in. I'm like, what do you think? He's like, this is exhilarating. Like, (laughs) because it's so alive. It's so, because church is ultimately for God and for the equipping of the saints, not reaching the lost. So what Aaron said, if your plan to reach your city is Sunday morning church, it's not a good plan. No. It's not going to work. And at the same time, if your plan to reach your community is a back to school bash, it's not a good plan either because you're, it's like you have this, these one little pockets of explosions. That's, that's not culture. That's just two or three times a year where you have these little events. Well, also the events are, are putting the focus on an external thing and not on Jesus. Like you have to actually get through the event. Well, I will say though, but the partner, it's like what we do overseas. Yeah. Humanitarian focus mixed with the gospel. So I'm great giving people gifts, like giving food away, giving hot dogs and ham. That's this wonderful package with the gospel. That's great. But two or three times a year is not good culture. Right. It's the consistency to realize we want to raise up people who go out and live the Great Commission all the time. Mm -hmm. who go out and make disciples and disciple people consistently in this part. It's like fasting should not just be in January. Right. Yeah. Fasting was meant to be a part of your life. Evangelism is not meant to be twice a year. It's meant to be a part of your life. So like what fruit we're looking for kind of to begin to wrap this up. Um, I was around, we have a guy in our church, Nate Schatzline. He's a state representative. He was there the day that we, that I was able to equip the staff, gave everybody a belong book. He took it. He, he read it. I was at an event with him and he said, Chris, I want to tell you the story. I was out. I believe he was at a park with his son, his son, his little son is sharing the gospel with, with this other person at the park and leads them into a prayer to receive Christ. He said, when I got done reading your book, he said, this is the key. He said, now when I walk through the state capitol in Texas, I am thinking I need to share my faith. Right. He didn't come to me and say, Chris, after I read your book, I thought, oh, I got to be a belong. Right. Or I've got to go on an outreach or I've got to go on a mission trip with you. He said, no, after reading your book, I thought I need to make disciples and share my faith in the state capital. And then he said to me, he said, your, your life and your impact in our community is massive. Right. Because it's making every person a witness and a disciple maker wherever they are in their sphere of influence. That's when you see culture shift from because if we're not careful, then outreach becomes the goal. Hey, you need to come on an outreach. Well, I can't remember the last time that Aaron went on a physical outreach with me. Like, honestly, we just don't like each other that much. Yeah, we don't. I mean, we hang out and we out, we, we yeah. witnessed all the DoorDash people on podcast days. So that, <laughs> so that, but that's not an organized outreach, right? We don't do organized outreaches together. We do life together. Yeah. He's sharing his faith. I'm sharing my faith and it becomes a natural overflow of our life with Jesus. Yeah. And then that's also how you lead yourself. It, let's go back to fasting. If I'm waiting for the church to always lead me, I'm only going to fast when the church says it's time to fast. Mm-hmm. 
But when I'm following Jesus and not following a man, I'm going to fast when the Lord speaks to me to fast because I'm listening to him. I'm, I'm having a relationship with the Lord. So it's the same way with evangelism. I'm not waiting for Chris or mercy culture or whoever, whatever church I go to to say, okay, October 24th is outreach day. I'm like, Oh man, this is the one day a year. I got to share my faith today. I'm not waiting to be led that way, right? right? I am leading myself. I'm growing in relationship to the Lord with the Lord. So that means wherever I am, I'm wanting to do what pleases God. And so that means if I'm at the grocery store, at the bank, at work, I'm going to share my faith or this is the day I'm fasting or yeah. this is the day that God gives me a prophetic word to prophesy, whatever it is. So the church is, uh, there's, there's so many opportunities. 33rd has resources, the full-time Christianity course Yep, that's on 33rdcompany.org. Yep. You can just get on and start watching it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Belong book. Such a powerful resource just to even understand how all this came to fruition and what fruit has come from just doing it. But it was from the Lord. Yep. So you're just sharing the blueprint the Lord told you. you. New York Times bestseller, Chris Dahl. Um, Texas. Texas Texas Times Times bestseller. (laughs) No, nowhere near there. Pulitzer. (laughs) There's awards. We can't find them. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, I have a doctorate degree in heaven. (laughs) Right. That's what I tell myself. (laughs) And then there's the um, Make Disciples events that yep. Yep. any church can reach out and ask about, get more information about. Jesus year. And then the Jesus year, which is probably the most potent possibility to have people yep. come and be equipped for six months. And if they're coming from that church, the likelihood yep. is they're going to yep. be pouring right back into if, the church. If you're a pastor and you're saying, I need this in my church, Same I would go book. find somebody in your church who you see the call of God in their life in evangelism. And I would send, Same. I would pay for them yeah. to come to the Jesus year. And so when they get sent back to your church, which we will send them back to your church, yeah, uh, they will help create culture. And with and another too. With another. Yep. Yeah. So and there's support. The internship as well starts yep. in February. That's only four months. Yeah. And then we have obviously the podcast, but then YouTube. Right. We got tons of YouTube equipping That's right. uh, videos for people on all different topics. Yep. And then last thing, if, if a, especially a leader is listening, how just in one or two minutes, how could they start to prepare the soil of the congregation of their church for the work of evangelism, even before any of these things start getting implemented. So we actually have on our website on the make disciples event page, a whole buildup before we come of what to do and what that looks like. So there's practical steps that people can take. So even if we're not coming to you, you could still go on the website, look at the make disciples event and do that yourself. Right. Speak a sermon series, um, set a, once a day, I'm going to share my faith. And you the, you go out and do it. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of different things that, that you can do. Or I'd say to the pastor that's listening or the leader, reach out to us. Come and spend a day with me. Yeah. Fly here. Like uh, it was last month. I, I flew to North Carolina for one day to meet with a guy because I knew how important it was. And the guy said to me, I'm so impressed that you would fly here and spend time with me your money your because we investment. want what he has yeah right there's anointing on his life that's the value you place and then you receive that value back and it was so great picked me up at the airport spend time with me so if you're a leader and you want to come spend time with us come spend some time with us and we'll have a blast <laughs>